It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, we continue our weekly off-season tradition. It's a mailbag. We've got some wonderful questions, a lot to do with the philosophy with the number 33 overall pick in this year's draft. What type of players should the Raptors be trying to target? Are there specific names that come to mind? Could they trade it? And could they attach it to someone like Malachi Flynn to actually make something happen? We will get into all of that and more on today's mailbag edition of Locked On Raptors. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to episode number 1199 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday, June the 22nd, I think. What is time? I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every episode of the podcast. You can also subscribe, follow, rate, review, all that good stuff on all the various podcast apps in audio form. You can also go to YouTube and hit the big red subscribe button to watch my mug every single day, bring to you the Toronto Raptors news and opinion. It's very much appreciated. What do you support the show we're up close to 2200 subs on the youtube channel which is very very cool and nice and sweet and i love all of you very very much okay uh today's show is of course your first listen of the day which uh makes us very happy as always when you make that part of your daily routine and on today's show we are digging into a whole boatload of mailbag questions that came in switching up the usual off-season format here we've usually done the mailbags on wednesdays however i've got a wonderful guest tomorrow sam ferris from locked on nba big board one of Raphael bar Carlos pals over on that podcast, of course, Raphael was on a couple weeks back, uh, and he's going to come on to talk more about some guys at 33 who the Raptors might be able to select should they fall to them in that slot. So that'll be your Wednesday show. So today, we're doing Wednesday mailbag, mailbag on a Tuesday. Sorry for the confusion, but it is what it is. Okay, lots of great questions today, and a lot of them to do with the sort of philosophy around the 33rd pick and sort of what the Raptors' strategy might be on draft night. And I kind of want to lump a bunch of these together in the first segment here. So let's just begin with this one here from Matthew T. He asks, Hey Sean, how active do you think the Raptors might be on draft night? Is it possible to trade up into the first round or trade a guy like Flynn for another second rounder? Look, they could trade Flynn for a second rounder, I suppose. They got a second rounder for both Terrence Davis and Matt Thomas. You know, what was it, 12, 18 months ago at the last trade deadline? I don't know what the last year's calendar was like. It was like late March or something like that. So forgive me if I'm a little off in my counting of months. But either way, uh, you know, Flynn feels like the kind of guy who maybe gets you a second rounder. But I don't know if he really has the juice as a prospect, as a player who's shown a lot 
for the Raptors to be able to package him to do anything sort of meaningful to build the roster with. Look, I have a hard time with a Malachi Flynn because I do think there's some stuff there. Like, he's obviously a very polished pick-and-roll ball handler. He surveys the floor well. He's a pretty tenacious defender as well at his size, and you love to see that. But what are we kind of going off of here? Not only as the Raptors, but as some other team that might, you know, look at Malachi Flynn and say, okay, maybe that's a project for us. We're really going off of, like, four actual meaningful basketball games where he was really excellent after Fred Van Vliet got hurt this season, came in, ran the show, and then got hurt himself, which sucks. It's, it's really miserable for him that his first real run of getting a foothold in the NBA was cut short by a hamstring injury, but them's the breaks. Other than that, over the course of two seasons, we have the back part of the 2019-20 season or 2020-21 season in Tampa where... A lot of guys showed out things that maybe were kind of fool's gold between Malachi Flynn winning Rookie of the Month for, I think it was March, and between Kem Birch looking like an 11-7 and short-roll corner three-point shooting big man. That never came to fruition. Freddie Gillespie was there the apple of everybody's eye for a second there when he came in and just grabbed a single rebound and was like, wow, we haven't had this skill all season long. So... I have a hard time putting any credence into that back part of the Tampa season. And so we're really looking at this past year as like the first real season in a real structure when it's not an all out tank going on in the back part of the season for Flynn to foster his career in. And he really did not do much outside of that handful of games after Friend went down after the all-star break. He, you know, didn't run with a starting job when he got a couple opportunities when the Raptors were addled with COVID in December. He had some other opportunities coming off the bench and just could never put together the shot making that catch-and-shoot three-point shooting, which I think is a really valuable thing that he, in theory, should be offering to the roster, but hasn't quite figured that out just yet. And I just don't see a lot in terms of profile to suggest that Malachi Flynn is going to be some sort of guy that other teams are lusting to go and trade for, especially when you consider the Raptors are the team that is known for development and getting guys, you know, to sort of achieve their best and, you know, put them in positions to succeed. And look, I don't think the Raptors have put Malachi Flynn in a particularly good position to succeed, in fairness to him. He was a pick-and-roll ball handler coming out of college, and they run the least pick-and-roll of any team, you know, in the last 30 years or whatever. Probably not that extreme, but they don't run pick-and-roll. And so there hasn't been that much opportunity for Malachi Flynn to do the thing he was branded at being best at, which is unfortunate. But you also have to take the bull and run with it, or take the horns, take the bull by the horns and run. I don't know what the analogy I'm looking for here is, but Malachi Flynn has not done that when he's had a shot, when he's been asked to run pick and roll in the sort of sparing moments where he has been. And at some point, you have to sort of wonder, you know, what is Malachi Flynn going to be? And what does another team actually covet him as being, right? I don't think there's a team out there that's looking at Malachi Flynn, the guy who the Raptors couldn't figure out, be like, well, we can unlock this guy. Just feels like he's sort of, in a long line of guys who get drafted late in the first round, second round, who kind of cycle through the league. And again, I don't want this for Malachi Flynn. I'm rooting for him you know, to figure things out, bring him back next season. Maybe he gets some run off the bench, a little bit more experience. Maybe they run some more pick and roll. Maybe he develops some chemistry with Precious Achua as he learns to be a role man, things like that. That's all on the table, and we could potentially see Malachi Flynn become a useful piece next year. But I don't think it's something you can bank on, and I don't think it's something you can bank on another team banking on as well when it comes to a trade. And so I think a team is probably going to go, all right, well, we can trade down, get the, get the 33rd overall pick in Malachi Flynn, or we can just take a guy at 22 or whatever, and I, I feel like they'll be pretty happy with that. I also think 
it's very unlikely the Raptors trade back into the range that they already traded out of with the Thad Young deal, right? Like they are, I think it was the 21st overall pick that the Spurs have now as a result. I don't see the Raptors then sort of, it just doesn't seem like great asset management, honestly, to trade the 33rd pick you got for Thad, also attach Malachi Flynn, whatever you think about him, to then move up to the spot that you were originally you know, maybe, you know, you can't go off of what your, you know, cost of acquisition was before to dictate further moves or anything like that. But it already suggests to me that they weren't all that stoked about just having to pick in that 20 range. They're probably pretty comfortable at 33, otherwise they wouldn't have made that trade. And I kind of think Malachi Flynn is like a sweetener to move up into this, into the back part of the first round. Probably isn't really getting it done. Uh, for a team you know I think if they're going to move up it's probably somewhere in the middle tier of the first round you get up to like 15 16 maybe that's where you're getting someone who you never really thought you might have a chance to, to nab but I don't think Malachi Flynn's jumping you you know 18 spots in the draft or anything like that so it's tough I, I feel bad for Malachi Flynn because he does feel like there's maybe something to tap there but also maybe there's nothing to tap into when it comes to like high upside you know, regular rotation minutes, and maybe you just cut your losses. I'm, I'm still a little bit unsure as to what my belief on Malachi Flynn is, but when it comes to the philosophy of that th- second round, second round pick at 33, I don't know if packaging that and Flynn to move up is really on the table for the Raptors here. Let's uh, continue on with another sort of Flynn-related question. I have it here somewhere on the list. It's a uh, very, very busy times on the list. We have so many questions that came in. Uh, this next one here, it also kind of rely, you know, relates to that second round question what the Raptors might do there. This one comes from B-Ball thinking, with the amount of young talent and prospects in the stable right now, do you think Masai, Bobby, and Nick will draft more on longer-term project with the second overall, second round pick, or someone who will potentially spend the season, or someone who will spend the season with the 905? So is it Project, who is a 905-bound guy for a year or two that you try to, you know, groom into something, or is it someone you can drop right in to your team? This is hard, man. I have a hard time with the draft because I'm not good at evaluating prospects. We'll get to some questions about evaluating prospects and sort of who I trust and stuff like that later on, but I try to know what I don't know. And I don't watch enough college basketball or high school hoops or Euro League or whatever to have a good grasp on these guys. And so I usually just say, do what you got to do, front office. You obviously have far more intel than I do. You don't need my opinions about, you know, 33rd overall selections and what the best move or course of action here is is here. But I kind of think for me, when I'm thinking about how this team is coming together, we kind of know what the top end of this roster is going to look like in theory, right? It's Scotty Barnes, it's Pascal Siakam as kind of your two heads of the snake, two heads of the Hydra, even though Hydras have three heads. Maybe you want to get a third head in there. Maybe they already have the third head in the form of Precious Achua or OG Ananobi or Fred Van Vliet, however you view each of those guys. That's fine. I don't know if you want to draft for like, look, of course you want to draft for upside. If you can draft a guy who becomes a star player, hell yeah, go ahead and do that. It's very hard to do that, of course, at 33. And guys who have that pedigree typically are probably going to hit a little earlier in the draft. And they're going to be taken by teams that can afford those sort of upside plays because what the hell else are they playing for anyway? So, look, there's always upside plays. There's always guys who surprise, guys who you take in the second round who become very good players. Herb Jones, for example. Like, that dude totally shot out of nowhere and is incredible and is probably going to be in the NBA for, like, 15 years because of the things that he does well. That's totally possible to grab at 33, but for me, I think my general sort of feeling on it is try to get a guy who can just, like, play basketball, and we know he's going to be a good basketball player. Whether he's a star, that's fine. They have Scotty Barnes. They have Pascal Siakam. They have the star quotient figured out. You could always use more star power and all that, but 
when it comes to building a successful team, you need good role players. You need guys who can fit in alongside stars and play in the gaps and things like that. And so I think I'm probably leaning a little bit more towards sort of like a wing type who can just kind of blend in to what the Raptors do, is a good three-point shooter, or has at least a bit of shooting pedigree that you can kind of project out a little bit too, considering that's obviously a weakness for the Raptors. That's why a guy like Wendell Moore Jr., for example, who I think is a two- or three-year college player, that, that's a guy who stands out to me as like, okay, that would be a perfect fit with what the Raptors need because while the Raptors are not hitting their competitive window just yet, it's always going to take these second-round pick guys a year, two, three years to really kind of hit full steam more often than not. And so I'm of the mind, get a guy who already has a pretty good baseline, see if you can build him up into a reliable role player, because every team needs really good role players. And we prioritize so much, oh, got to get a star, got to get a star. You're going to hit on those star swings very rarely comparatively to when you just take a guy who's just like a notably good basketball player who maybe is a little bit older or whatever that might be. And I think the Raptors have kind of done that too, right? They've, they've towed the line. They've gone between guys who are older, guys who are younger, more project types in the past. They've, you know, kind of blended it with a guy like Pascal Siakam, who was a four-year college player, who obviously was quite new in his basketball playing career at the time he was picked, but still four-year college player uh, or three-year college player, I should say, uh, had a little bit of seasoning there and also had, you know, some things to obviously project out and grow on too. You know, they, they've kind of, it's hard to pin down exactly what the Raptors want to do in the draft. It is a little bit sort of, you know, the, the Malachi Flynn thing comes up the works because it's like, all right, that's not at all the kind of guy to typically pick. Same with Jalen Harris, the 59, not exactly a Raptors-y type player. And I, I kind of think we need to sort of throw out the notion of a Raptors-y type player. There are all sorts of different considerations that go in from what the guy is like as a dude, what the needs of the team are. I don't think you should be drafting for need at 33 necessarily, but I do think as you project this team out, cheap, affordable role players to fit in alongside the good, talented players at the top of the roster, that to me feels like the biggest priority. So someone who projects maybe not so much as like a high usage ball in the hands type player who's probably not going to be as good as a Scotty Barnes or Pascal Siakam is less of a priority to me than someone who can fill in those gaps and be just an excellent, excellent role player alongside the stars you kind of already have entrenched who you would assume are going to level up with even more responsibility, especially in the case of Barnes over the next couple of seasons. So that's where I'm kind of at. Projects are nice. And look, you can always get projects with, you know, undrafted free agent spots and stuff like that. I would kind of rather get a guy who can come in and maybe not play next season regular minutes, but has the sort of package and tools to potentially be a regular rotation piece within a year or two. Uh, we'll get some more questions coming up in just one second here on your mailbag edition on a Tuesday. Before we do that, however, I want to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks Daily Fantasy Sports Made Easy. They are the very best, and they have figured out how to make daily fantasy fun. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to ten times on any entry, and it's just you against the projected numbers. There is no shadow expert behind a computer putting together an unbeatable lineup. It's just you against the projections. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy, and they offer fast and safe withdrawals as well. You can use their award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of, whether it's baseball, like hits or home runs or strikeouts, whatever it might be. Obviously, basketball has this, all this stuff as well. The NBA season's over right now, but I'm sure they'll probably bring Summer League or something like that in there because people love betting on Summer League and putting money down on Summer League. You can do mixed sport entries where you can pick a player from one sport and a player from another and have them on the same ticket. That is an awesome, awesome little feature as well. For a limited time, PrizePix has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Get 50 bucks for free if a player in your first PrizePix entry scores a single point, but you got to use the code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer for Locked On fans. Sign up today 
today. Use the code NBA for 50 bucks for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. A lot of most of these guys are scoring a single point. You should go and sign on up today at Prize Picks Daily Fantasy Made Easy. It's a lot of fun. Go check it out. Of course, not available in Canada, only available in select states. Please check availability wherever you live. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's continue on here with some more pre-draft-ish questions related to your Toronto Raptors from the lovely folks out there. Let's kind of pick up again on the Malachi Flynn thread, shall we? I found the other Flynn question that I wanted to get to. This one comes from our pal Charlie Bender, who always asks great questions. Does it make sense to try to package Flynn in a deal to fill one of the many Raptors' needs, or should they keep him and actually commit to developing into a future backup point guard? I think for me, I'd just rather the latter right now, because I don't know if you're really getting a team to bite on Malachi Flynn and stuff for a significant upgrade. Um, you know, unless you find some team that's just enamored with him, some team that's so upset, maybe the Memphis Grizzlies really wanted him back in the 2020 draft and instead got Desmond Bain, just fell to them, and they were like, man, Malachi Flynn would have been our guy. Wouldn't it be nice to have Desmond Bain? Uh, but yeah, I just don't think there's really going to be a market out there for upgrades attached to Malachi Flynn, especially considering... I don't think the Raptors are going to be in the mix to really, you know, offer significant assets up to improve the back part of their roster when the top six or seven is kind of already set in stone for next year. So, um, no, I don't think Flynn is really an avenue to improving. But, hey, maybe they can move him, you know, into some sort of backup point guard role. Just give him the reins. Say, hey, you know, we got to keep Fred Van Vliet healthy. Maybe you start next season with the assumption that you just try to make Malachi Flynn that 18-minute-a-game backup point guard, and if it doesn't work, maybe you readdress things at the deadline, you know, depending on where the team's at and what your team needs are. Um, but I don't really see Flynn being an avenue to significantly improve this offseason. More draft stuff. Let's get another question here from our pal Freddie Revis, at Freddie Revis on Twitter. Regular question asker, former guest and future guest of the podcast. Of course, uh, go listen to Confederacy of Dunks. He's the best. Anyway, considering how much information the average fan analyst doesn't have access to, workouts, advanced data, etc., what's the most reliable information to go on when accessing the draft? Look, this is why I try not to like project my own opinions too much, and that might disappoint you. Viewers of the podcast, come into the podcast ahead of the draft to look for hard draft takes. I just not, and I'm just not going to be that guy because I don't want to pretend to know things that I don't know. There was a time where I probably watched these guys a little bit more often and had some opinions to draw from them, but honestly, you know, it's just, it's hard to really, you know, have strong opinions on 33rd overall pick guys because I don't know what I'm looking at when I'm looking for sort of translatable skills from college to the NBA. I think that's kind of a weak spot for me, and that's fine. I think everyone should sort of accept when they don't know things. So for me, I just try to count on the people who do watch these guys a lot, right? 
the people who watch these guys the most are, you know, obviously we have wonderful draft experts. Raphael Barlow is one of the very best, and he's been on this podcast. He travels all around the world to watch these guys. I trust what he has to say when he, A, has sources where he's talking to people and what they think about these players, and he's also doing his own analysis. The draft experts who really do the work, those are the people you got to trust, man. Your Sam Vecinis, your, uh, of course, Raphael Barlow's, your everyone from Lockton NBA Big Board, all the different wonderful Twitter people from Raptors Twitter, from Hoop Goose to T to, you know, all the different folks out there who do a really great job watching a ton of basketball all over the world and figuring out what guys work and which guys won't and which guys fit the identity of the team and which guys don't. Like, it's a really difficult thing to do. I personally don't have the bandwidth to do all of that basketball watching uh, of like college and stuff throughout the year. And I respect the hell of anybody who does it. And so I just try to go off of what the people who are informed and watch these guys the most say, and then try to infer my own opinions and analysis from that. And it's less like, all right, this guy is the, you know, let's, for example, say like Caleb Houston, somebody says something about Caleb Houston. I'm not going to then offer my own thoughts on his game or anything like that but I can offer thoughts on what everyone who watches the guy says about him and then what that would fit into the Raptors and how that would fit and all that stuff so that's kind of how I try to go about it um it's a difficult thing obviously like when the Raptors were picking fourth overall last year yeah I was digging into a little bit more film because it was an absolutely monumental pick for the Raptors to make and spend a lot of a lot more time thinking about it but I find with 33rd in the draft it's really difficult to even pinpoint guys because there's 50 guys who could go 33 like the range is insane they could always reach on someone you don't even know and it makes it a kind of a to me an effort where I get frustrated because I can't quite have any sort of clarity on it and as a result I kind of just try to trust what people say get a handful of guys who I kind of pinpoint as yep that's my dude like Wendell Moore Jr. is up there I think Caleb Houston is kind of walking into that range as well Um, there's a few guys in there who I really like what I hear from people who are informed but it's uh, you know it's always so amorphous on draft night and guys can fall and end up you know get going where in places where you didn't expect and things like that so uh, that's I hope a good answer to your question, Freddie. I, I try to know what I don't know is uh, is how I try to advance, you know, access reliable information and trust the people who I do know, know what they're talking about because there's lots of wonderful people who do that. Although I miss Robel. Robel was the best. He was on the pod a lot in the recent times until he went and got an NBA job. So good for him, but uh, bad for my understanding of NBA prospects. Uh, we'll get to one more question here. I mentioned Caleb Houston, so let's get this one here. This one from Cam Hilton. Is Caleb Houston a viable target at the draft? If he makes it 233, he'd fit the profile to a T, wouldn't he? Um, look, sure, Caleb Houston, like a 6'8 wing who shoots threes and uh, was on the Montverde team with Scotty Barnes and Moses Moody and Cade Cunningham and, God, who else was on that team? Was Jalen Suggs on that team? The, the team was freaking loaded. It was ridiculous. Jalen Green was hanging around there, I'm sure. That seemed like the entire entirety of last year's draft was there and also Caleb Houston, which is funny. Um, but a point that was made, I apologize, I can't remember which of the guys on Samson Folk's latest podcast at Raptors Republic talking about some of their favorites. Um, I want to say it was Nabil who made the point, so I apologize if I'm misattributing this, but made the point that Houston kind of already has time spent as like a off-ball player playing around stars on that Montverde team, and that could potentially help him translate his game to the NBA. Catch-and-shoot guy, long, defensively talented, or at least has the upside to project, you know, defensive talent upon. Um, You know, that seems pretty intriguing to me. I don't love how a lot of folks just kind of gravitate to the Canadian guys, because I feel like that kind of is a limited, narrow scope of view. I don't know if this is, I'm not accusing Cam of this or anything like that with the question, but... 
I do feel like the Canadian guys always kind of get hyped as, well, the Raptors should take this guy. And, hey, maybe they should. Maybe they should not just go for the passport. Um, you know, it's not something they used to do. They do it a little bit more lately recently. I think that's just because there's more good Canadian basketball players, and so it's a little easier to do. Um, but, yeah, I, Caleb Houston is coming around on me as a guy. If the profile is what people suggest it is, is, you know, a catch-and-shoot guy who has some upside to maybe tap into but can probably fit into a role-player spot pretty quickly – all right, uh, that that works for me. That's kind of what I was talking about in the first segment in terms of the types of guys that I would like the Raptors to go and try and pursue. Um, so sure, th- throw Caleb Houston in there as a potential Raptors pick. All right, although I think the, the Houston has an A in it, not an O in the second spot there. So apologies for the misspelling in the graphic. Either way, uh, we'll get some more questions uh, relating to the team building for the Raptors, the offseason, potential trades, and other signings. Nick Claxton, anybody? We'll get to that in one sec. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com we've been talking about rock auto for a couple of years here on the podcast and it's because they're fantastic and because they are here to help you save money when you go to the mechanic look everything is expensive nowadays including gas getting every any place with your car is impossible because it costs so much darn money why not save a little extra money on your car by going to Rock Auto whenever you need a part for your car instead of just settling for the price that the mechanic has and the one part that they happen to have or have to order from the Canadian tire down the street in order to have it for you so how does it work? You just go to rockauto.com. They're super easy to use website. You type in your make, year, and model, and you'll get all sorts of options for the part that you need. And you can choose based on the brands and specifications and, of course, the prices that you prefer to pay. You can save yourself tons and tons of money that it can be better used towards filling up your car, I guess, or for things that are not driving-related because driving is hell. Go to rockauto.com right now to make it less hell and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How'd You Hear About Us box and know that we sent you amazing selection of reliably low prices, all the car parts you'll ever need at rockauto.com. I use them, and if I can use them, you can use them too because I know nothing about cars and they make me feel like I know what I'm doing. RockAuto.com. Go check them out. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, let's round out your mailbag episode of the podcast here. A little bit more in terms of, you know, what the Raptors might do this week. And, of course, this offseason as, I guess, we're like a week away from free agency, which I don't know how that happened, but it has. Uh, let's get to this one from Eric Morris at Epic Mopus. Do you think Nick Claxton could be a fit if Boucher or Young don't re-sign? Really interesting question. Um, I think he could be a fit even if they keep them both, even though that might create a bit of a logjam in the front court. But you should remember, back at the deadline, there were reports that the Raptors were trying to get Nick Claxton for essentially the Thad Young package from the, I guess with no, uh, there, there wouldn't have been a Goran Dragic going the other way, I suppose, just because of the money or whatever. But uh, Nick Claxton was a guy that they had their eyes on at the deadline with a first-round pick on the table. And so... I could see it. Nick Claxton fits defensively, certainly. He's very mobile. He's the lob threat the Raptors could sorely use right now. Maybe he's the man to unlock Malachi Flynn's pick-and-roll game. Who's to say? I do get a little trepidatious, though, about guys who just really, really stink at shooting free throws. It was why I was a little hesitant about Jakob Pertl last season as well. 
And Nick Claxton is not a good free throw shooter, just a 54% career free throw shooter. He was 58% last season, 48% the season before. And I kind of find that guys who are so bad at free throws cause a lot of headaches and make it so they're not able to be played in big minutes down the stretch. And look, if you were giving up a first round pick for Nick Claxton, you're probably hoping he could play a lot of minutes. If it's more, you're signing him to a mid-level deal. And I think there was a report yesterday that the Nets might not even match a mid-level deal uh, on an offer sheet for Nick Claxton, then, hey, maybe that's something you can talk yourself into. And it's not an enormous investment necessarily where you're you're sort of expecting them to be high leverage players. You can have a mid-level guy be an 18, 20 minute guy off the bench. He can spell pressures at Chua, give you a little bit more size, give you a little bit more speed and versatility in your bench units and you're fine if he's not closing games for you and I think that's probably what the role would be if you were to go and try to sign Nick Claxton and look they'll have the mid-level exception available to them either way right again there's about 31 million bucks to work with between the mid-level and the 21 or so they have underneath the tax line in addition to the mid-level to sign Boucher and Thad with and again I think it's possible they sign both with that I think Boucher is probably the more likely guy to stick around as, you know, there's obviously a pretty good home here for the, for him and the Raptors. They seem to have kind of connected on, hey, you know, I can do this for you. We can do this for you. There seems to be some good simpatico between him and the franchise. Thad Young, a little bit more of a wild card as far as like, what does he want to do? He's late in his career. Does he want to go ring chasing? Does he want to stick around and play in 6'8 basketball utopia? We don't really know just yet. He could want to go back to Chicago where he had some really good years and he could certainly be used by the Chicago Bulls considering their roster deficiencies right now as well. So if you can't keep Thad or Boucher, 100%, I think Claxton is a pretty interesting piece to try to replace at least the Boucher side of things. Not the shooter Boucher can be or has been in the past, but does offer a lot of the same things in terms of offensive rebounding and athleticism and just sort of fitting into what the defensive scheme would be asking of him. Um, But again, if you wanted to get Boucher and Thad and then also sign Nick Claxton, yes, that might be a little bit surplus to requirements in terms of number of dudes who can't really shoot who play in the front court. But Again, I don't, I'm done kind of predicting what the Raptors are trying to do. It wouldn't be my first choice. It certainly wouldn't be. I think I'd rather a wing or a shooter type as my first choice. You know, Kyle Anderson even um, instead of a Nick Claxton type. But he certainly does have some positive qualities. But again, that free throw percentage really, really gives me some pause because that can be such a liability late in games. If you're asking him to close games, if you're not asking him to close games, then maybe it's not a big deal. And, you know, they have plenty of guys who could close games in place of Nick Claxton. But is it worth the financial investment? Maybe, maybe not. It's hard to say on him. I am pretty medium on Nick Claxton. I could see the argument for, could also absolutely see the argument against. Uh, next question here. This one comes from Young Sahara, who asked a fun one. If OG asked out and OKC came calling, what would you package with him to get Shea, Gilgis, Alexander? The answer is all of the stuff. Whatever OKC wants, you give it to them. Because Shea, Gilgis, Alexander is like the end game for what this Raptors build is, I think. Uh, if, if they can find a way to pry him free from Sam Presti's creepy mitts, uh, that would be truly fantastic. He's an excellent, excellent player who would fit fantastically on this team. He could be 
a lead ball handler or co-lead ball handler. You know, he can be an off-ball guy as well. It would just be a wonderful, wonderful fit. And yeah, you're looking at Gary Trent Jr. You're looking at OG, maybe Precious Achua. Certainly Precious Achua probably if you're really trying to make it happen. Um, you know, I'd be all for that. My thing is, is why would the Thunder come calling asking for OG and Anobi? If OG's asked for a trade out, I, I would assume it's to a place where he can sort of have the ball in his hands a lot more. And maybe the Thunder would want to offer him that. But the Thunder also, to me are a team that doesn't seem like they're in the business of trading for guys who are 25 when they have 23-year-olds on the roster. Like, they, that seems like a bit of a backwards way for them to go in this very weird-ass rebuild they're, they're doing here. And I just don't know if that's something they would even ever consider or entertain. There's going to be other teams out there that want OG. But this is kind of back to the point I was talking about on Friday with Mike Richmond about OG and how OG's only getting dealt for a trade like this, where you're bringing in a better player than OG and you're packaging OG with some stuff to then bring in said better player. You're not trading OG for parts and worse players than OG in the aggregate. And so this is the kind of thing, this is the right idea, certainly. If you're looking at trading OG Ananobi, which again, I don't think the Raptors are going to trade OG Ananobi. I would be stunned, I think, if he is not on the roster when the season opens. But if you are looking at dealing him, this is this type of stuff you're sniffing around. It's, hey, OKC, you're sad and decrepit and continue to trade away all your picks, or all your players for more picks in 2026 because you are very excited about the teenage crop from 2008 or something. I don't know, man. It's very strange what's going on in OKC. I have made my opinions on what's going on down there very clear on this podcast in the past. But if you can convince them to trade you Shea Gildas Alexander, absolutely you give up OG and Anobi for that. And it hurts for sure, but Shea is a perfect ideal fit and is a fantastic basketball player who I just think would be even better on a team that doesn't keep on shutting him down for injuries and keeps on uh, you know, putting just horrible, horrible rosters of speculative teens around him. Not what you want. So yeah, obviously if Shea is on the table... You go try to make that happen. I kind of think we're maybe like a year away from that being a thing. I don't know if this summer is the time where OKC gets real itchy to trade away Shea, but you know if they start next season and they're still bad and they continue to kind of spiral, maybe Shea gets disgruntled with what's going on there. Maybe he just says, "All right, get me the hell out of here." Maybe they realize, "Wow, we're still so far off," and Shea is you know moving into his prime again. I don't think they should be thinking this way. Keep Shea throughout the entirety of his contract. He's awesome. It's how you get better, but. I am done trying to predict what the Thunder might do, and they could very easily say a year from now, you know what, Shea doesn't fit our timeline, because he's 24, and our whole team is going to be 18, and that's just the timeline we want. It's all very icky down in OKC. I don't know what the hell they're doing. Uh, let's continue on here. A couple more, maybe one more question to close this thing out, and this one comes from our pal at Pascal Fan Club, who got married over the weekend. We love Pascal Fan Club. Still doing propaganda even on his wedding day, tweeting in support of one Pascal Siakam. He asked the question, what are your thoughts on tweeting about the Raptors on your wedding day? Let's say hypothetically it was while you were waiting to get your hair done. Uh, wonderful question. I am also getting married this summer, so shout out 2022, married year. That's great. Good stuff, Pascal Fan Club. Uh, we love to see it. Congrats to you and your wife. Um, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be tweeting about the Raptors on my wedding day. Sorry, man. Uh, <laughs> I... Uh, oftentimes in the off season, and this look, if this were my wedding day on July the first, I might sneak in a tweet. You know, kind of waiting for things to transpire in the morning. 
I don't know. Uh, but my wedding day is going to be late July. Everything's going to be off and, you know, my phone's going to be hidden away somewhere and I will be very much offline that day and trying to soak it all in. But I do not begrudge anyone who wants to tweet about Pascal Siakam being awesome, regardless of the day, especially if it's not like in the middle of your vows. I have no problem with you in the morning getting your hair done, tweeting about Pascal Siakam and how darn good he is, because guess what? He's very good. And a huge congratulations to our pal at Fest Pascal Fan Club on getting married. It's a lovely, lovely thing. And uh, yeah, go ahead. Keep on doing that propaganda. Just don't tweet from the honeymoon. Like, you don't got to do that. <laughs> it's, enjoy the time away, man. This is, this is, sometimes the, putting the phone away is the best thing you can do for your brain, at least for me. Um, that's going to do it for today's mailbag episode. Thank you so much for everyone who sent in questions. You are the very best. We'll be back again tomorrow with Sam Ferris from Locked On NBA Big Board to break down all of the various players who might fall to the Toronto Raptors at 33, who have yet, we have not, not yet talked about. We've talked about a few guys, talked about a good number of dudes with Raphael Barlow a couple weeks ago. We will dig into some more dudes and guys at 33 who might be Toronto Raptors players by the end of Thursday night. And that'll be with Sam Ferris tomorrow. So thank you in advance for checking that out. And thank you for uh, making us your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen of the day, the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft. It's its own feed, and it is the, one of the best things we do at Locked On all year long every local host making picks making trades we've got analysis from ryan mcdonough former gm of the suns we've got brian scalabrini on there of course our locked nba big board crew kanani stevens hosts it all it's so good you have to check it out it's a lot of fun the first episode was posted as a bonus on the lockdown raptors feed over the weekend so if you want to just try to dive into that and see hey what does this sound like it sounds awesome and you should go and then listen to the whole darn thing which is running all the way up until draft day on thursday a lot of work goes into that too <clears throat> excuse me it would be awesome if you would check it out okay that's gonna do it we will talk to you again on wednesday to talk more draft stuff until then bye bye everyone have a good one hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music Download the Amazon Music app today.